grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of John, and I would like to reread those words that Scott just had for us here. And if you can pull out your Gospel reading right here. John the Baptist, he said this, A person can receive only what is given for them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Let's read that next sentence together. He must become greater. I must become less. Those are incredible words. Nobody says those words today. John the Baptist is in ministry. He's baptizing the Jordan River. Jesus and his disciples come. Jesus gets baptized by John. And they do their own ministry a little bit further down the river. And people start going to Jesus instead of John. And John says, yes, this is good. He must become greater. I must become less. Imagine you're running your business, right? And some other guy opens up another business in town. And they have a better product and better service than you do. And you say, you know what? This is good. He must become greater, and I must become less. No one says this anymore. Nobody does. You go to the bookstore, and there are hundreds, there are thousands of books on leadership. And you won't find a single book on how to follow. And John the Baptist says, he must become greater, and I must become less. And so today we're going to talk about as best we can, how to become less. How to be a follower of Jesus. Because I'll tell you, leading is hard, but following is harder. And when I say that, I don't mean like following like a, a mindless lemon. Oh, whatever, I'll just follow. Right? That, that's easy. But I'm not talking about that, because Jesus does not invite, invite us to follow him like that. When Jesus says, follow me, when Jesus says, whoever will follow me must pick up his cross and follow me, Jesus is inviting you on a very challenging journey. Following Jesus is not for cowards. It's a course for the courageous. Because Jesus will take you places you may not want to go. And he will develop in you a character and traits you may not want to to be developed because it's hard. Following Jesus is not for cowards. However, it is for the weak. It is for the broken. Following Jesus is for those who say, Lord God, you have redeemed my life. You have saved me from sin and death, and I am yours. Thy will be done. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So today we'll be talking about that. How Jesus becomes greater in our lives, and how we become less. And the first part of that, I think, is loyalty. It's loyalty. I learned about loyalty uh, when I first got out of the seminary. 
So I graduated from seminary in, in 1999, and I was a pastor, and I was just like gung-ho, man. And I was certain, man, I was going to do great things for Jesus. You hear the problem there? I was going to do great things for Jesus. I get out of seminary, and I become an associate pastor at a church in California. And one of my first weeks there, there was a retired pastor there, Pastor Oz Weck. So I became a pastor in 1999. He became a pastor in 1939. And he walks up to me and he grabs my hand. And he says, Pastor, your job is to be faithful Aaron holding up the prophet's hands. And he patted my hand and he walked away. Your job is to be faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's hands. He was reminding me of Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites are under attack from the Amalekites. You don't need to remember that for your salvation. And Moses is watching the battle from a hilltop, and he's praying to God for the victory, that they might be delivered from the Amalekites. And Moses notices that while he prays to God with his hands uplifted, the Israelites are winning the battle. But when he puts his arms down, they start losing the battle. So Moses keeps his arms up all day, all morning long. It's getting into the afternoon, and his arms are tired, and they start sagging down. And so Aaron comes by, and another man, and they hold Moses' hands up in the air. It's a great story, right? It's a fantastic image. Until you remember the details. Moses has been out there all day. They're in the Judean desert. It's hot. Moses is standing on a hilltop. It's hotter. Moses is sweaty and stinky and smelly. And you know, you can hold someone's arm up like this. But if you do it like that, you're going to get tired too, right? So the best way to do it to come alongside and put their arm on your shoulder and you hold it up that way. You can hold it up all day like that. So Aaron's job is to be in Moses' armpit. That sounds like a fun job, huh? Keep it up, Moses. You're doing good. Oh, yeah, okay. Can we hold some down, please, right? It's a rough job following his heart. And so later on, a few weeks later, I was at the church and this lady makes an appointment with me. She comes to my office and, and she starts saying what a great pastor I am, how great my sermons are, you know? And when you're a young pastor, you're like, oh, wow, thank you. You know, yeah, you're right. I, I am quite good. Oh, I knew I was going to be like, I'm doing great things for Jesus. I knew I would, right? And then she starts saying, you know, you're so much better than a senior pastor. You know, you should be a senior pastor. It's really caught off guard. Like, what's going on here? We had our voters meeting the next week. And I kind of figured out what was going on. So the voters meeting, I stood up and I said, you know what? I am so thankful to be under the leadership of our senior pastor. He is a great man of God. I'm learning so much from him. I can't wait for these next years to learn even more from him. I, 
laid it out. And it never, she never came to my office ever again. Because she learned I was going to play the game. See, to follow is to be loyal. And loyalty isn't always fun. But what's even harder is imitating. To follow Jesus is to imitate him. Following Jesus is to do what he does. Following Jesus is to behave as he behaves. Following Jesus is to speak as he speaks. To follow Jesus is to live as he lives. And you're like, yeah, we can do it. Here's what Jesus says about being like him. He says this. You have heard it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Well, that's a high standard. <laughs> it gets harder. You've heard it said it was eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yet imitating Jesus is hard. There's a guy in the Bible named James. He knew something about that. We'll show here a little bit of a clip about James. Read the Bible a lot. Found out, right? Read the Bible. Found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. That's right. When I read that, I was like, wow. Jesus, your big brother? How much pressure was that? How many times did he have to hear, why come we can't be more like Jesus, James? Because you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't. He was just James. He wasn't James Christ. Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed. It was delicious. It was the best at the banquet. Then I'll tell you about the next banquet. Jesus left early. They started running the wine. Everybody looked at James. And man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine. You're just going to stand there with your sandals on? You're not going to make no wine? <laughs> and you know how little brothers are. They follow their big brother everywhere. So I'm sure everywhere Jesus went, James followed him. If Jesus went there, so did James. I bet one time James almost drowned. <laughs> <laughs> Imitating Jesus is hard. 
And that's the journey he invites you on. Follow Jesus. Be like him. You know, there's one place where Jesus does not invite us to follow, and that's the cross. And that's where he goes alone. He dies there for your sin and for mine, so we might be his now and, and always. And then he says, you are forgiven, you are free, you are mine. Follow. He must become greater. We must become less. And that's hard to do. So I think the third part of becoming less, the first is loyalty, second is imitation, and third is, is love. John is willing to become less and Jesus more because he loves Jesus. That's the only way it's possible. And we, we know how this works. And you've seen it work in action um, if you've seen some of the kids or if you have kids, right? Because parents do this all the time. So recently, my, my daughter, she plays soccer, and she got the Character of Christ Award. Isn't that cool? And my son, my son David, he's in this play, and he's at school, and these parents, they come up to me, and they're like, your son is the most gentle, giving, serving heart I've ever met in a high school young man. And my son Timmy, he can fix anything. He can fix anything. He's just got a mind that works. He figures things out. His favorite show is Mythbusters. He doesn't watch cartoons. He's watching Mythbusters, man. And people say to me, you must be proud. They must be just chips off the old block. And I say, no, they're not. Thank God. I never got the character of Christ word playing soccer. I got the word for most yellow cards when I played soccer. And if I did it, it was because my twin brother got more. A serving heart when I was in high school? I mean, unless it was for me, there was a girl involved. I didn't do anything like that. And I still can't fix anything. I can't pour water out of a boot with instructions written on the heel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Every day. My kids are way better than I ever was at that age. Because they must become more and I must become less. That's how it works. It's easy to do. Because I love them. How about you? Who in your life do you make become more so you can become less? The kids. What about family? What about your younger sibling? What about friends? What about Jesus? How often do we celebrate him? How often does he become greater in our lives and we become less? It reminds me of a man uh, named Walter. And I met Walter when I was on my internship in Denver back in 1998. And Walter lived in a, gosh, it was kind of like a mother-in-law unit, I guess that's what they call it, in the little back apartment area of this house. It was, it was one bedroom. He had a bed on one side of the room and and the kitchen and the bathroom were on the other side of the room. It's a pretty run-down place. It was his nephew's place, and, and he was staying there for free, and, and Walter was 
pretty up there in years, and he couldn't make it to church, so I would come and visit Walter. And Walter, uh, he could get out of bed, he could just hobble over to a chair. I said, Walter, how are you doing? He goes, well, you know, I've, I've been like this my whole life. I've been crippled my whole life, ever since I was born. I said, thou, that must, must be hard. And Walter said, I thank God I was born crippled. What do you, what do you mean? He said, well, when I was born, I, was, I, was, I couldn't do things around the farm like my older brothers, my brothers could. <laughs> so my brothers would work on the farm with my dad, and I would stay in the house and help my mom around the house because I could do that. And then World War II came, and all my brothers went off to war. And I stayed home, helping around the house. And then they came home from war, and they got married. And they, they had children. And because I wasn't married, I would go to their homes, and I would live with them. And I would help them and, and their families while their kids were young. And then my aunt, she got sick. And so I went and moved in with her, and I took care of my aunt. And then my, my grandparents, they were getting along in years, so I went and I moved in with them, and I helped take care of them, and I knew how to do all that stuff because I had helped my mom at the house. And my mom taught me how to do it. I knew how to run a house. He kept telling me story after story after story of people he had moved in with and the family and had taken care of them during rough places in their lives. Walter never had his own home. But he took care of other people's homes. He took care of other people. Until he got to a place in his life where he couldn't do that anymore. And so he's living with his nephew in a little back room. His nephew was taking care of him. And he said, I thank God I was born crippled. Because if I wasn't, I would have been just like my brothers. I would have gotten to war, I would have gotten married, and, and I couldn't have done all those things to help out my family. So I thank God. <clears throat> and so when I hear these words of John, he must become greater, and I must become less. I think of Walter. That he loved Jesus so much that he thanked Jesus for being crippled so he could serve others better. It's pretty extreme. But in your life, what does that mean for you? What does it mean that Jesus becomes greater and you become less? What sacrifice does that involve? What forgiveness does that entail? What order of peace of reconciliation does that mean? What service would that look like? What gifts do you have that God has given you that you aren't using fully yet? Either here or in the community. What does that mean? Jesus becomes greater and we become less. The only motivation for something like that is love. We're in John chapter 3, where Jesus has just said to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only Son, 
so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus became less. As we led in Philippians chapter 2, he becomes so less that he humbles, humbles himself to the point of death, and that death on a cross, so that every knee should bow, so that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is great. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there are, there are lots of books on leadership. There's nothing on following. But Lord, help us to be loyal. Help us to imitate. And Lord Jesus, especially help us to love. As you have loved us and made yourself less for us, Lord God. Help us to see what that means in our lives that you become greater and that we become less. If there's a word of reconciliation that needs to be spoken, Lord, help us to swallow that pride, that our pride becomes less and grace becomes more. If there's a word a means of service we need to do, Lord, that our time for you becomes more and our time for ourselves becomes just a little bit less. Lord God, if there's a support that needs to be given, Lord, that you give us the wisdom on how to do that. And that when people say, you are doing such a great job, we say, no, my Lord is great. My Savior is great. I am his. Lord Jesus, may you become great and may we become less. We love you. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, boy, what a great phrase for this passage, huh? May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song here.